Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Okay, everybody, welcome to tonight's share. Tonight is our 35th share, and we welcome everybody. Again, we always start off with thanking everybody for advertising us on the WhatsApp and emailing it around and telling people about it. I actually got a request that we should open a special chat because so many people are texting and they put it in the WhatsApp. It's like, it's too invasive. So I think that we're doing something good. And again, I want to thank everybody. Keep on being invasive and being a nudnik about it because there's so many people coming and joining. We're getting tremendous feedback, and we appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward. Again, anybody for watching the replay of this later on on YouTube, um, I don't know if they might censor it and throw it off YouTube one day, you know, with the way things are going. So we're going to have to make our own platform. <laughs> so uh, don't forget to subscribe to Coach Menachem and to like the video. It'll be very helpful. I want to first start off always with our advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop. We're always advertising us here on Lakewood. We're a Lakewood-based uh, shear. And I want to thank uh, Robbie and Nifa Chazak for always promoting us on the Chazak platforms. Anybody wants to check out Chazak, go to chazak.org. Special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer from JCN, Jewish Content Network. For always promoting us visually across all the platform, all the digital platforms. Wherever Shushan, if you go on any Jewish website, you're there right now. I'm just letting you know. You are a global phenomenal phenomenon. And um, just wondering, I have a lot of things to talk about tonight. So we have we have an online tonight's an online, right? Confirming with you. Okay. Well, so I first do. Thing I wanna, first thing I want to start off with is that uh, this Wednesday we're actually going to have our first special program that's not on a Sunday night. Uh, to Chuvu, they're introducing a new initiative they're having with all the Talmudim that they made from over the years. They're actually going to learn Kala Torah Kula, uh, that's Talmud, you know, Gemara and Tanakh with Chavrusas, and it's going to be an amazing thing. They're going to discuss what Chuvu is. Of course, everybody heard the name, but we're going to discuss it, and uh, the reason we're starting at 9 o'clock for Wednesday night versus at 10 o'clock is because we're going to have the double Adar where Ruben Feinstein Metzchem come on and give a little opening, and then the program is going to turn to a regular Coach Menachem program with Mr. Charlie Harari, we're going to be discussing unlocking greatness in our children and ourselves to make us our best, similar to tonight's topic, but a little bit more, you know, just unlocking uh, Charlie's famous word. Um, it should be amazing. Uh, Coach Menachem will be sending out the emails with the program, and we're going to send it out to via WhatsApp, as, and you'll, it's going to start at 9 o'clock. Again, it's J January 13th. Uh, please try to come on early. Again, it's limited to only 1,000 people, so I think it will fill up, so try to come on early. And next Sunday's program, we're going to have one of the top psychiatrists in Israel, Dr. Jacob Friedman, who, just like Rabbi Ben Shushan, also writes in the Mishpacha magazine. He also has an article there. And right next to me. Right, right next to you, right? We, I just went to the Mishpacha magazine. I, I just reached out to everybody. That's what I, I like to tell people is right next to me. He's right before me, to be honest. Right, right. I'm right, a little exactly. bit closer to the back. You're next to the classifieds, right? That's exactly so, it. So, um, so that's going to be an amazing program. We're talking about mental health across the board. The board is one of the biggest psychiatrists in Israel. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's dealt with Rebbe's and big people, um, his stories are phenomenal. He wrote a book and it should be very amazing and looking forward to next Sunday as well. So again, we have a program Wednesday night, nine o'clock Sunday. And tonight again, we have the discussion of having world famous, one of the newest superstars on the planet, Rabbi Yossi Ben Shushan. We're gonna get into him soon. He has many years experience dealing with teenagers and motivational speaker. But now let's go to our host, Coach Menachem for opening words. Welcome everyone to another show. Um, let's get real with Coach Menachem. Thank you, Rabbi Yossi Ben Shusha, for being here with us. Oops, you went away. <laughs> it's been a busy week for me, Baruch Hashem. Um, we've had Lachaim, the engagement, and the Vart, and I'll tell you this past week really changed my life, Baruch Hashem. Thank you 
all of you that came over to say Mazel Tov and for those who sent the emails with your warm wishes for me, my wife, and the family. Hashem should help us all, all our listeners, and Klal Yisrael, Hashem should only hear Simchas. So tonight, you can feel the excitement in the air, and if you have ever heard Rabbi ben, uh, Yossi Ben Shushan, you probably know why. So tonight's topic is in enough talk, it's time for action. How to do more for yourself and others in needs. So for those who were with us, who are with us for a while, we had many different views and different lectures and shirim. We had those who expressed the importance of self-care, how to get for yourself what you need so that you can give for others. And then we had discussed the concept of sacrificing for others. Just do for others and not expect anything back. And the truth is you really need to be able to reflect and be honest with yourself when we're gonna be discussing these things because there are no two people the same and some people could do more, some less. Some are doing too much and need to stop. And some by doing are sometimes making things worse. And for, for, for many of us, or for, you know, if you're sitting with your spouse, please don't point fingers, but sometimes doing and helping can start at home. Um, what you really have to do is look inside, just close your eyes and think, where am I? What could my family benefit if I would be there to help out before I go to help others? So to really take action the right way, we need to become aware of why. Do I want to take the action? Is it because I want people to see me doing all of this great stuff? And then there are some people that feel guilty. They, they think maybe they should do more and they're walking around with this guilt and really they're doing the best they can and what they're doing is really great. They should continue doing what they're doing. So it does bring up a lot of topics, different um, ideas. And hopefully tonight we'll be able to get some clarity with Rabbi Ben Shushan. So thank you, Rabbi Yossi, for being with us and helping us to clarify a little bit. And tonight, the Mitzvah Shem, we'll hear a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Coach Menachem. Tonight's show was donated anonymously by one of our listeners, Aschus Rufushlein of Ochel in Yisrael. Mitzvah from Aschus from this year. Aschus from this year should be refuah for all those people. Another sponsor this week is a friend of mine. He uh, He's in the PPP loan business. The name of the company is Grant Max. Um, they specialize in the PT company that's focusing on helping all businesses get the PPP round two for their loans, easy and smooth. This company, instead of uh, like everyone else, is just simply sending you to a bank with a link. They're actually gonna sit with you and review your documents, see which bank to go to. They're, they're hooked up with one of the, with the top five lenders that are doing this right now. And even though a lot of people think they might not be eligible, they actually are eligible. Um, so they're, they're actually going to take care of you, uh, advise you to please reach out to them. If anybody who has a business is looking to get the PPP loan, uh, the, the name is GrantMax. If you have any, any, you want to get a hold of them, the email is info at grantmax.net. That's I N F O at G R A N T M A X.net or call them or text them at 609-300-3929, Uh, tonight's share is also being learned to El Nishmas, Rabbi Shua Shalom Ben David Yirmiyahu who uh, was still the Toich Shana that he was nifted in a tragic car accident. Um, it's my sister-in-law's father. And uh, this is one of the things I was talking to her over the weekend. I was with by her 
And uh, she, I told her the topic tonight about doing for others and what we could do. And she said, you know, her father was a very simple man, a very, very, very passionate guy. And he was just, just a story just to, to kick things off a little bit so we can get into tonight's conversation. Um, she said that when he used to get his car fixed by another from guy, a mechanic, he, a lot of times when he got to repair, there used to be three or $400. And he used to swipe his credit card. He said, just add another $100 to the repair. Because when somebody else comes that you see can't afford it, this and that, don't even tell them. Just take off $100 off the bill so they could pay. And it's just, it just, and the person didn't even know about it. They would come to get the car repaired, it'll be a hundred dollars less. This is a simple, small thing that this type of guy used to do. And it just was, it's amazing to hear such stories. And uh, the shit should be a schuss for him. And again, enough, enough talking, just do stuff. Another reason why I'm starting, why I wanted to choose this topic, and we, we discussed it together before, besides, of course, where we've been, Shushan is very involved with teenagers and all that, but it's a little bit intertwined. Is uh, I discussed it with Coach Manafim a few weeks ago. We went out, me and my wife went to get some food actually before Shear, and we saw one of our neighbors that was there with a bunch of you know, teenagers, not her children. And I, I told my wife, what's going on there? She went to ask her, she said, oh, this is a family that uh, the mother was nifted right in the beginning of COVID. They have a bunch of kids. And she, she, she basically took them under her wing. This is a woman that has a large family, maybe seven, eight kids, no parnasa, not, you know, just you know, full-time job, husbands and coil, every excuse in the world not to do anything out of their comfort zone. But instead of that, she's taking these kids out, having them by she's just involved in their life. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, like there's so much we could do and there's so many things we could have the power of doing and it's just simply doing it. And she has more excuses than, than anybody. So I was just very blown away by it. I think it's an, uh, an important topic. And I, I, again, everybody can do more and we'll try to get in a lot of the questions that came in, you'll see them, uh, powerful stuff. So it's tonight, anybody who's here, I don't know if you have plans to go to sleep early, you know, push it off, you'll do it tomorrow night. Again, Reverend Shushan again deals with a lot of teenagers. Um, I'm going to deal with that. And somehow or another, where it's intertwined, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to read your bio and then I will be quiet, okay? I, I don't want you to be quiet. You called me I a You can keep going. <laughs> keep going. So, first of all, we remember Shushan and Coach Manak. We spent again in Shabbos together a while ago. We had a really good time. I really got to know him. Um, he's an amazing person. Um, just just blown away. I don't want to give away all the secrets, right? I'm, I'll, I'll let you give it away because I, I know I know all your secrets already. Rabbi Shushan has been teaching <clears throat> teenagers from all walks of life and all backgrounds for the past 12 years with his laid back attitude and trademark sense of humor. Rabbi Yossi gives over teaching of his Rabbi Yavitsa Berkowitz, Rav Zelik Rubenstein in Yeshiva High School of Cleveland, where he serves as the Mashiach Ruchni. Rabbi Yossi lectures and counsels on issues involving teenagers and motivation. He runs a private counseling practice. He's a certified alcohol and substance abuse counselor who currently maintains a private practice and does motivational speaking and community education on addiction all over the U.S. and Israel. Rabbi Yossi Ben Shushan, the floor is yours for opening remarks. Don't, wow. don't, don't, don't talk too long. Yeah. Wow. So much just happened in the past 10 minutes. It's unreal. I've literally never seen so much go on. First, I'm writing down numbers for PPP loans. I found out I'm a superstar. You were eating dinner with your wife, abandoned her to go talk to some lady who had kids over there or something. So much just happened <laughs> in such a short amount of time. That's without making recognition over here of so many things that I was noticing on the, on the sidelines, which is part of who I am and what I do is that I have to notice things that, that, that are normally missed. So I, I need to make some mentions over here. I apologize. So you're going to see a screen name over here. I think that's what it's called. I think they're called screen names. They could be called hashtags or tags. I, I work with teenagers, but I don't understand 80% of what they say. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not, 
people will call me and text me all the time and be like, what does this mean? I heard my teenager saying this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't understand something. I don't, I, I speak their language, but I don't speak that part of their language. I don't, I cannot keep up. When we were on that Shabbaton together, uh, uh, Rav Parnas and, and, and Rav Menachem, when we were on that Shabbaton together, I remember um, Sonny Perlman, um, incredible, incredible therapist, incredible human being. We were talking and we're like, the one thing we refuse to keep up with in the times is the slang of teenagers because it, it started making no sense. It's just, as of now, it's just acronyms that don't actually mean anything. So, but, so I don't know what it's called. It's called, it could be called a handle or a screen name. I don't know, but there's Rabbi Hillel on here. I went to Yeshiva with him. I saw his face and automatically I started crying that I don't want to Israel anymore. My, there's someone here called Max 17, which that name means so much to me in my heart that it's, I, I honestly, I don't need, I, I almost abandoned this whole thing just saying that screen name, but it's my cousin. Chaim, who's a, a very, very, very big tzaddik in my, uh, in my opinion, very special yid. And I'm sure there's so many other people on here that I know that I should be giving a shout out to. Um, but uh, if I missed you, I apologize. I'm sure you're here and, and I appreciate it. So as Rav Parna said, I, um, I work with teenagers. Um, I, I write articles. I write a lot of different things. And one of the things I was once writing many years ago when I was working with teenagers was a, um, it's something we're not going to really get into tonight, but I used to write for a company. I used to write, um, you know, what was called fictional proposals, which was uh, a, a line of work I thought I might go into, which is, um, it's basically writing screenplays and TV shows and things like that. Comedy, mainly. But one of the opening was going to be dialogue writing, mainly. And one of the opening lines was going to be, one of the opening scenes was going to be two guys sitting in a cafe and um, one of them worked with teenagers and the other one said, why? And he said, well, I wanted to figure out the Neanderthal man. And he said, what? He said, Neanderthal man. It's uh, one of the biggest mysteries in humanity is where's the Neanderthal man? Where's the caveman? Where's the missing link of evolution? He's like, don't you believe in God? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't actually look for the Neanderthal man. He's like, I went for the second biggest mystery in history, uh, mystery in history. I went for teenagers. So it's, uh, it, it was, it was a semi-autobiographical um, writing and scene, which is that uh, I'm, I'm just obsessed with the human condition my whole life. And it's an amazing thing. If you were to ask the average 40, 50 year old, you know, three years ago, what were you doing? You'd be like, wait a second, three years ago. What year was that? Um, I don't know, let me check on my calendar, what was going on three years ago. Wait, one of my kids had a kid, I think, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to really place it because what, what's a year really anymore? I hate to be the guy that says this because I, I, I hate talking about you know the whole thing. I was gonna pretend if Rav Parnas or Rav Menachem were gonna bring it up, I was gonna be like, I'm sorry, COVID what? Like COVID-19, like I, I'm un, I'm uncertain, but thank you for clarifying that it's COVID-19 as opposed to the other COVID I would have confused that with. <laughs> but, but like, we've been doing this, by the way, for nearly a year now. Like we thought it was gonna be two weeks. Who thought it was gonna be two weeks? I was so happy <laughs> when they told me, they're like, that's it, everyone's quarantining for two weeks. You can't have contact with anyone. I was like, I don't care what the reason is, I'm going. <laughs> I, ran in, I ran to Costco 
Then I ran home. It was Shushan Perm. I ran to Costco. I ran home. I locked all the doors and I said, people, we are hunkering down. No one's allowed to call, text. We don't know how this is spread. So we're all going to hunker down and we can't talk to anyone but the people in this house. I was thrilled. And then two weeks turned into a lot longer than that. And we've been doing this that entire time. So, but, but it still doesn't even feel like it, it's, been, it's been a year. That's, a, that's, that's an insane amount of time. We thought camps would open. We thought Pesach hotels would be open. We thought a year, what's really a year yet? If you were to sum up your high school experience to people that you know from there, it's such a huge point of your life. So much of who you are, you still are because of what happened then. What happened when you were in high school? But it was only four years. It was four small years. But so much happens in that time. So much of what we believe now, we took from then. So much of, I remember I, I heard a, a very big lawyer speak one time. And he was saying, he was like, I had a midlife crisis. He was, he was well into his 60s when I heard him speak. He was like, I, ha I had a midlife crisis where I realized I became an attorney because a 16-year-old decided that that's what I'm going to do for my life. He's like, and then at 45, 50, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Is this what I wanted? I have no idea. I took the advice of a 16-year-old. He decided the trajectory of the rest of my life. It's scary. But, but we are who we are from those days. So much of who we are. I'm part of a WhatsApp group called the Village People. Don't ask why. But it's all my old friends from high school. I could do anything for the rest of my life and it won't matter. They're still going to make fun of me. Every single clip of mine that's three minutes and under because ADD was a big thing when I was young. Three minutes and under is going to get posted on that group. No inspiration allowed everyone's just going to make fun of me the entire way through. And it's beautiful. It keeps me grounded. It's amazing. But that, that, those are your friends from high school. It doesn't matter. It could be Bill Gates, his friends from high school. He's like, hey, I just made my next billion. And his friends from high school are still WhatsApping him. Loser, nerd, no one cares. Your friends from high school are still going to be those people all the way through because it's such an integral point. It's such an integral point. You ever speaking to a friend of yours from when you were teenagers and they're speaking about a third friend of yours and they're like, yeah, you heard? They became da 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 whatever. And you're like, really? That one? Are you serious? They were still wetting the bed in high school. I don't know. How did they do that? That's amazing. What we were then stays with us for so long. Yet, it's one of the times that probably one of the, uh, barring extreme circumstances, some of the most trauma can happen. Some of the most inspiration can happen. So I decided to get involved with that walk of life because when I was that age, I always believed myself, my friends to be the most misunderstood people in society. And to have someone who was an adult of any type give us any sort of credence or validation would have meant the world. So I just saw it as an easy way to make a difference. <laughs> It's all laziness at the end of the day. That was the entire thing. It was the easiest way to make a difference. And uh, so I got involved uh, I got involved in that. Yeah, there are other things I do. I work with uh, addicts on, on different uh, levels. Um, a friend of mine who's a therapist in America told me, you know, I let to call them addicts over here. 
there are people struggling with substance abuse issues. So I work with people struggling with substance abuse issues and other issues. Um, but in general, I don't like tying it to one thing because um, at the end of the day, I, I just love working with people in, in any form, in any way. I'm not saying I can help. The odds are I can't, but I can be there. So that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's what I try to do. I'm going to pass it back to you, Rabbi Parnas. Okay, Rabbi Shushan, it was a nice opening. We're going to take a little poll. We always do over here when we start, and then everybody answers the poll. And then uh, I have a tremendous amount of questions here. And again, everybody, please turn on your cameras. We were like to have Rabbi Shushan who really could answer any question. Again, trying to focus on doing more and being there for our teenagers. Again, whatever you can't answer, you'll just pass it to me, and I'll make it up. <laughs> you'll make it up, or I'll make it up. One of us will make it up. So let's let's take a poll. Okay, it's a two-question poll. How did you feel when you saw tonight's titles? Enough talk, it's time for action. Three-choice answer. I realized I'm not doing enough. Option A. Option B, it's got me thinking about what other things I can do. Option B, it didn't resonate with me at all. That's the first question. How did you feel when you saw tonight's title? Enough talk, it's enough talk, it's time for action. Question number two, what do you do when you see somebody going through a struggle? One of four answers, choose, please. Try to avoid them. I think about them and daven for them. I send them something, or option D, I reach out to them. Is this anonymous? It's all anonymous. You don't know what could see what's going on right now, but we're going to show it to everybody in a minute. I can see what you're choosing, though. <laughs> okay, five seconds. While we're waiting, I'm going to tell you about an email I got, Rafardis, or Menachem. I got an email this week. And so I get a lot of emails. I had to schedule a specific time during the day that I just answer my emails and people get very upset at me, but I, I'm back a lot. I, you know, there's only a certain amount of time in the day and, and you can't, you know, and I'm not a at home on the phone type of person. So not, not because I'm a good father, by the way. It's just that when my feet are up and I'm having a tea, I don't answer emails. That's the whole thing. I ignore my kids too. I ignore everybody. It's not even so... I got an email this week where a guy said, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to make up half of it because that's just what I have to do. But uh, he said, I'm in yeshiva, I'm, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm an atheist and I live in yeshiva. And, I, and some people say I should do this. And some people say I should do that. I need to know your opinion. What should I do? Now, I don't know this person. I never met him before. So I said, I just responded, I don't have an opinion. So he responded immediately right back. And he said, what does that mean? You don't have an opinion. Of course you have an opinion. I said, no, I don't. That's, that's not what I do. He responded, of course it is. That, that's all you do. You give opinions. I said, I, I don't know who you're looking for. I think it's my brother, Ari. No, <laughs> like, I don't know who you're looking for, but I, I don't give opinions. I help people form one. I stand there while, people, while, while, while someone forms their own opinion. But, but that's all I can do. I'm not going to be able to answer anyone's question tonight, but I am going to be we able this year? <laughs> I am going to hopefully be able to, to give you clarity on, on, on how you can answer it on where you can go with it. Because at the end of the day, you could give a man a fish or teach a man to fish or a lady to fish. And, 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 and the point is, is that if all you're doing is looking for other people to hand you fish, at some point you're going to go hungry. It's never going to taste as good. It's just never going to happen. There is no feeling like catching that fish for yourself. 
because that's what we were designed to do. That's what the Rabbani Shalom put us here to do. It wasn't to get answers. It was to live experiences. It was to go on a journey. It was to experience it and appreciate it. The good times and the bad ones. Bad times aren't there to solve. They're there to feel. It's super important for people to understand that. So I'm not here to answer your questions. I'm here to explore them with you. Okay. Let's share the results with everybody. Okay. How did you feel tonight when you saw tonight's title? Enough talk. It's time for action. 60% of the people said, I realize I'm not doing enough. The whopping winner, 61%. It got me thinking about other things I could do. So you got to get them thinking like you just said. 23% said it didn't resonate with me at all. So they just came to say hello to you. What do you, what do, you do when you see someone going through a struggle? 3% try to avoid it. 52% I think about them and I daven for them. Not an action. It's a thought. 6% of people send them something and 39% of people reach out to them and try to help them. Beautiful. Very nice. Okay. We're going to start with some of the questions that came in. Again, anybody wants to ask a live question, please text me. Usher Parnas. Only me. Text me the question or that you want to go on. And we'll try to, again, live questions go first. We have Please take advantage of the, of the situation. He wants to be asked questions and he wants to go on. So let's, let's, let's really make it active and levitic. And um, here we go. Parnas, can I just say, I am so blown away by your tech savvy over here. How did you, you got to give me like a tutorial. How did you have that thing pop up and the whole, unbelievable, you're controlling the whole situation over here. I've been giving Zoom share for a year. I can't do anything of what you just did. It's amazing. Some people say I'm a control freak. Okay. <laughs> we'll have a topic about that also. Okay. We already have some live questions. Let me, let me get to some, some basics and we're going to really... We're going to ramp it up over here. So everybody here tonight, it's going to be a long night. Here we go. First question came in. One of my children is veering off the derech. How do I act with him in the house around other children? Okay, so it's interesting. I, I literally, I know we said we were plugged to this, but this is the truth. <laughs> I, I literally just wrote an article about this. It's coming out, um, I think this week, maybe, maybe next week in, uh, in Mishpacha. It's a Q&A article. And on that, actually on that Shabbos, on that Shabbos that we were on together, Rabbi Parnas and Rabbi Nachum, I, 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 this is probably the most asked question I got, I got during that time. So we got we to gotta break this one down because it's, it's not a simple one. So it's, it's a huge question. You got to realize, and this is just a, a little peek into the twisted mind of Yassi Menchushan. This is how I, I view a question is that there's usually like three or four questions in one question. So over here, I'm able, anyone I think would be able to immediately see two questions over here. What do you do about the kid going off the derech and what do you do about his siblings? But for me personally, those aren't the real questions over here. If, if a parent is asking me what to do about A, their kid that went off the derech or, and B, the other kid seeing that kid, I'm already seeing a completely separate question. That question is, that question is, how do I regain control of my home? Because my home just went off the rails. There's so much going on and I'm out of control of it. This is super important for us to understand because we need to start this from the beginning. I know because of that article, I had to write it in a rush and I sent it in in a rush and God bless my editors because they they put up with so much from me. It's unbelievable. I, I'm a procrastinator. I'm uh, uh, I, uh, on, 
on the spectrum, I fall into the creative mind, which means that I, I most of what I send them is, is gibberish. It's the rantings of a crazed gorilla. And they somehow make it seem like a human being wrote it. But I know I'm going to be getting a lot of blowback off of that article. I, I, I set out time in two weeks from now to be able to answer all the hate mail from it. But I'm going to put it now into a condensed version. So let's start everything from the beginning. No matter what, in every home, there's a hierarchy and it goes down. So the hierarchy is, are always the parents. This is for me personally, because I work with kids and because I work with teenagers, shalom bias is the most important thing in the world. That's it. Number one, hands down, everything aside, shalom bias is the most important thing ever. I can have a house that is preaching from kite, the Rabbani Shalom and Tyra all day long. They're doing every, they say tefillah sashla every single day. They, everything you can imagine, they finish to heal them eight times, their kids help them, bah, 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 everything. They have Asher Yatsar in a thousand dollar plaque outside of every bathroom in their house and outside of some bedrooms. Perfect. It's, it's set up perfectly. And then I'll have a home that has none of that, but has Shalom Bias going on. And they're going to do better. At the end of the day, the home is going to be stronger because of it. <clears throat> Whatever it takes to create Shalom Bias in our house. My wife used to go to, and I, I'm very big into, into uh, courses or books. Read them for fun. It doesn't matter. You don't have to accept all the ideas. You don't have to implement all the ideas. But if you keep your brain thinking about what can I do more for my kids? What can I do more for my kids? How can I understand them more? How can I understand them more? You're going to end up on that focus and you're going to end up doing better. So at the end of the day, the reason I'm saying that is, is that um, my wife and I are very into, you know, anything, uh, uh, you know, self-improvement, anything wise, anything Shalom bias wise. So my wife used to go to a share in Israel um, given by Rebson Spetner. Unbelievable, unbelievable, Hanach. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know in America how it goes with our stuff, but in Israel, it's a, it's, it's south. So <clears throat> she's Israeli, she's from Israel. And I, I was in Kola with her husband, Rabbi Spetner, who's an unbelievable Adam God also. So my wife went to her Hanach uh, course. And one of the first things Robertson Spetner said, everything I say is important. And everything I say you should implement, unless your husband disagrees. If he disagrees, then just forget about it. Why? We're talking about these guys are, new, these couples, a lot of them are newly married. Their oldest kid is like five, maybe, if, if they have a kid. Robinson Spetner has a lot of children. <laughs> and she's helped many, many hundreds and thousands more children. So why is she being buttle mavuttle to this a uh, 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 crowd member to this girl's 25-year-old husband? It's very simple. Because if you're going to start causing a strife at the house, it doesn't matter anymore. No matter, even if you're doing the right thing, it doesn't matter anymore. You're doing the wrong thing. Your kids need a rock-solid foundation. Even if you disagree, even if you don't agree on all topics, if they see you being respectful of each other 
And, and I tell parents all the time, and maybe I'm wrong about this, I don't know. But I tell them, be affectionate, even physically affectionate in front of your children so that they see this deep love for each other. This deep love for each other. When they see that, they can't be shaken by other people. So when I hear a question like that, the first thing I say is, what's going on between you and your husband? What's going on between you and your wife? The first thing. I'm not a shalom bias person, but I tell them, if there is an issue, you got to take care of that first. Because your kids will not believe anything if the, you and your spouse are not on the same page. And if you and your spouse are not showing that affection towards each other. Maria Samcha Rosemary, how are you? No matter where now, they are, they should start working on it. So I, I think you busted some people's bubbles over here. Yeah. Because be. they need some help in Shalom Bias. I mean, a lot of help. Do that they, first. They can't wait for that. <laughs> Do it first. I'm sorry. I, I could be wrong. No, no. Ramanacham, if you deserve, I please do it. But no, 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 I'm just trying to bring out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. do it those. first. Do it first. And I'm going to tell you why. Maybe there are things you could do in the interim. And I'm not going to say them. I want to tell you why. It's that important. Because no matter what the band-aid you're going to put on it for right now, until you can work that out, it, it, it's unimportant. You're going to forget to do what's important, which is that. It is so important. And by the way, and this might sound insane, I'm talking to divorced couples too. I am. If you are divorced, I, I, I've seen so many divorced couples do this or not do it. I've seen, I've seen this happen. I can't tell you how many times. There's three people while you're talking, texting that they're in the middle of getting separated or getting divorced and they have the same. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it amicably. And I'm telling you right now, I will find you. I will go out there and I, this is me threatening people. Yeah, I will find you. If you bring your kids in, if you bring them into that, they have every right to go off the derech and give you Agma Snafesh. I'm sorry, they do. At the end of the day, they do. If you brought them into that dirt and they throw it back in your face, you have no right to say anything to them. I had a kid one time. I was sitting with a kid one time. I wrote an article about this a year ago. I was sitting with a kid one time and um, we, we met a few times. He, he, was, he was a very interesting situation. He used to pretend, when he used to come in to sit down with me, he used to pretend that he was stoned, that he was high. He wasn't. I knew he wasn't. Seen enough high people. <laughs> you can tell when someone's actually high. He wasn't. He legitimately wasn't. And I couldn't fathom for the life of me, why would he be pretending this? Now to a friend, okay. But to me, it would get him in more trouble than not. Why would he be pretending that? And the reason was he didn't want me to take him too seriously. So I'm sitting with him one time and I said to him, you know, I saw your, your dad WhatsApp me and I saw his profile picture on his WhatsApp. Was you and him in a restaurant? You guys look like you're having a great time. What was up with the restaurant? Because I knew him and his dad had a little bit. He smiled at me and he goes, is that what you think was happening in that picture? So I said, I see a picture. I translate it as a picture. I don't, I don't know what else to do. Now, I brought it up because I know this kid enough that I knew that's not what was going on in that picture. But 
I figured it was a great opening to get him to be honest. So he said to me, he's like, you think that's what was going on in that picture? I said, yeah, correct me. He goes, let me tell you about that picture. My dad took that picture for one reason and one reason only. I was supposed to be by my mom two hours before that. I was late because we didn't have dinner. My dad wanted to take a picture with me in the restaurant with smiles so that my mom would see I prefer being with him than with her. And he went into this whole Parsha. This kid is 12 years old. He's 12. No 12 year old on earth should know the inner workings of the twisted adult mind like that. No 12 year old in the world should know that. He knew it clear as day. This kid couldn't process his own pain, by the way, to save his life. Literally. I'm not going to tell you the end of the story because you don't want to know. He could not process his own pain to save his own life. But to understand the workings of how his parents were getting at each other, well, that he got, he got that clear as day. Because for the past three years before that, he was him and his siblings were all used as pawns in their divorce. It doesn't matter if you're divorcing. If your kids see a mutual respect for each other, then what they develop is the fact that they're important. They're not an accident. They weren't born off of something that should never have happened. And this goes back to something I was saying before. Life is not a mistake. And it's not a series of mistakes that we try to cover up or fix or solve or hide. Life is a journey. So if you were once married to someone and then you stop being married to them, they're part of your journey. You don't hold on to third grade for the rest of your life. You don't hold on to your third grade Rebbe for the rest of your life. The reason is, is that you're done with that third grade Rebbe. Not in a bad way. He gave you everything that he could. Now it's time to move on. You got everything you could from that marriage. You got everything you could from that union. It was part of the journey. It was the first part of that journey. Now it's time to move on. Now I heard a great line one time and I can't take credit for it. But I will anyway. Because I don't know who said it and I'm going to take credit for it. Yeah. Rapanis, is there a problem? I don't care. Now. Nah. <laughs> we have, we have a slogan over here. What happens yeah. on Zoom stays on Zoom. Of course, except for the fact that there's a little icon at the top that says recording. <laughs> and the 600, I always check. <laughs> so someone one time told me a great line. The average person gets married three times in their lives. If you're lucky... It's to the same person every time. Now, you got to realize how amazing this line is. I don't care who you dated. If you've been married five years and you're still married to the same person you dated, it's because someone is a really good liar or someone's in a really big amount of denial. You better have married someone new in the middle of that. The concept is a remarriage. You re-choose to marry that person every single time you have an anniversary. I'm not a big birthday or anniversary person. I'm just not. It's not, it's not my style. My wife and I, there's a weird thing. What is today's date? Oh, okay, it's the 10th. 
because this is my anniversary month. It's just a wood. It would have been classic that it would have happened, but I'm always speaking somewhere the night of my anniversary. <laughs> and I always end up bringing that up. And I always grab my phone in the middle of that speech and text my wife, happy anniversary. And as I'm doing it, she always texts me this 14 years running. She'll always text me happy anniversary like first. And we figure out that it's our anniversary. We celebrate it whenever it happens. It's not, we have five kids. We live away from family. There's no way to arrange these types of things. So I'm not a big anniversary, but whenever it is that you do celebrate your anniversary, all you need to do, forget the gifts, forget all that. Don't forget. If you're a man, don't forget the gifts, do it. But don't just, don't focus on the gifts. Don't focus on any of that. Focus on one thing, remarrying that person that year, who that person is to you right then. Marry that person again. Is it not the same as the one you were marrying last year? A whole new set of issues came up. A whole new set of beauties came up. But since we decide to focus on our negatives, we tend to focus on someone else's negatives also. You want to know, you know how many guys have said to me and how many people have said to me, Rabbi, if you really knew who I was, who are you? You're the guy who spends that, that time alone in that room with that phone? That, that's really who you are? Why? Because you think about that so much? That's really who you are? Why aren't you the guy who's sitting in front of me right now with your Gemara open, ready to learn? Why aren't you that guy? Because we so immediately decide we're the other one. And we do it to other people also. Remarry the person you're with every single year. Now, so again, whether you're married, whether you're separated, whether you're divorcing, whether you're divorced already, whether you're remarried, doesn't matter. You have a connection to these people. Okay, Rabbi Shishan, we have a lot of live questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You have, we have you a lot have of uh, pushing people. Right, yeah. That having been said, let's get to it. So with other kids around, there is no difference. When I was, when I was. What is this? See, what is this? That's me. It's Yasu Ben Shushan. Hang on. Hi. Whoever that is. Hi. So um, when when I was, I don't remember how old, my brother Ari was uh, sick. He had cancer. I like saying it because people call it a many other things. He had the, he had the, the Yena, he had cancer. And he, um, he, he had to be home. My brother Ari was a massive mas, is a massive masmid. It's a big tamachacham. Uh, some of you know who he is already. He speaks and everything. You know, he made it through. He's, he's good now. He had it twice. But there was a good tkufa of a year or so that he had to be home and he couldn't go out and he couldn't, you know, go to yeshiva and he couldn't anything. And it was right before he was dating. I remember him and I had a conversation in the hospital, a difficult conversation one time in, in, in the hospital. And I was staying with him one time where he said to me, Yassi, you know, it was the second time he was sick. And he's like, Yassi, he's like, listen, we're close in age or close enough in age. He was like, yes. And we're very, very close as people, as brothers, as siblings, as friends. So he said to me, Yassi, he's like, you know, there's a very real world where, where uh, it's going to take me a while to get married. So I want you to know you're not waiting. You know, you go. And and it's an amazing thing the way the Rabbi Shalom works. This is him laying in a hospital bed in Sloan Kettering in Manhattan, bold, in the middle of chemo. Three months later, we were at his wedding. It was an unbelievable, unbelievable thing. But uh, but but he said, right. So, so he was that close to dating that, that he was already... Now, 
I was in and out of the house. I was in yeshiva. I was in and out of the house. I never once said to my parents, how come Ari gets to stay home and do whatever he wants all day and I don't? Because I knew what he has cancer. He also went bald before you. We all ended up there at the end of the day, as he likes to remind us. But at, but in reality, I'm saying he ended up, you know, if your kids see you accepting that kid who went off the derech, if your kids see you really understanding or resonating with him as if he's going through something or she's going through something, which they are, kids don't go off for no reason. It's not for fun. It's because there's a trauma, because there's something back there. There's something going on. There's always something. In 15 years of doing this, I swear to you, one thing I know, there's always something going on. If your kids see you treating them in that way, there's something going on. They understand there's something going on. So when he leaves the Shabbos table to go smoke outside or she leaves the Shabbos table to go meet Michal Shabbos and your other kids are like, you know, oh, he's not benching. And, and you make the kid who is benching feel important. You give them treats. You give them things. You have to up your game there. You make them feel amazing for doing it. You make them realize, yeah, maybe he's two years older than you, but you're holding in such a big place that you're benching already. They feel amazing about it. They also view their sibling with compassion as opposed to jealousy. That's it, I'm done. Okay, we have a bunch of live questions. Let's jump to it. Mrs. Kohn, Hi, thank you so much. Um, Rabbi Shushan, I read you in the magazine and enjoy your humor and your on-spot uh, analysis always. Um, so I read a lot about raising teenagers and I actually just read from somebody to not focus on you know the future with these kids, just give them some slack, let them get through what they're going through. And then I hear you saying that we are who we are from our teenage years. And you know I still have friends from teenage years and you're absolutely right. So how do you balance those two um, ideas? Thank you so much, that's a great question. That's thank really, you. really a great question. And thank you for reading my articles. I think it's you and me. You and my <laughs> I don't, I actually don't read my own article. I don't even let, and it's nothing against a magazine, but I don't let, if the magazine does come to my house, I have to take out my articles because I have these, there was a big argument at the beginning about the pictures that are in there. And it, let's just say it just sort of happened. And I can't stand my kids seeing my big stupid face in, in, in anywhere. So I always rip them out beforehand. But I appreciate it. So it's you and my mom. The um, the it's a fantastic question. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. What are we trying to teach kids? To worry about the future. You're gonna have plenty of that when you're an adult. <laughs> Anxiety. Thinking about what's gonna be. That's not what we're trying to teach them. What are we trying to teach them? What do we really want from kids at the end of the day? What do we really want from anyone? When we raise a kid, what are we really, really, I mean, if we were to boil it down to its essence, what do we want? We want them to be happy. We want them to live in the moment. We want them to have joy. That's all we want. 
We believe they're going to have joy through being a from Jew and through, through having meaning from their life and through taking their life seriously and through having um, um, a, a parnasa and success. And that's all true. But at the end of the day, it's all for one reason. We just want them to be happy people. We want them to feel fulfilled. That's it. That's the whole story. So if they're in high school, now, there's one piece of advice. If you're only going to take one piece of advice from, from anything, I don't give advice. What happened? I don't give advice. But if there's one thing I can tell you, please take this. If you have teenagers, please, please, please take this. Don't belittle what they're going through. I remember being a kid, and I tell this to crowds of teenagers all the time. I remember being a teenager and, and, and going through a hard time at, at points, and adults always saying to me, Bleh! Because that's how adults sound to teenagers, by the way. It's, it's just a, the way teenagers sound to adults, that it's just a bunch of grunts. That's how adults sound to teenagers too. Is that, is, I remember there was a far side one time that's, that showed a dog and its owner. And its owner was yelling at the dog. And it said what the dog understands from the owner. And it was just a whole bunch of gibberish and then the dog's name. And a whole bunch of gibberish and the dog's name. So that's what, that's, I don't mean to call teenagers dogs, but that's what they understand. It's you saying to them, don't you know, when I was your age, my father, and I would be lucky if I ran That's all they hear. That's the entire, that's the entire spiel. That's all they get. So, I remember being a teenager and people would say to me, you think you have such problems? You got to pay rent? You got bills to pay? You got tuition to pay? <laughs> Tuition's a big one. They love to pull out. I'm paying your tuition. Yeah. You know, you're putting me in the poorhouse. Yeah. You're not even giving me nachas. You're putting me in the poorhouse. You're not learning anything over there. That's it. That's it. That, that's... And I remember thinking to myself as a teenager, you completely don't get it. So I love telling crowds of teenagers, guys, I'm sorry. I have bills to pay. I have rent to pay. I have bills to pay. I have tuition to pay. At the end of the day, my life is a billion times better than yours. Because at the end of the day, I come home every single night. And no matter how bad of a day I had, when I have a bad day, by the way, it's really bad. It usually involves a box going in a ground with, with, with sad things around that. When I have a bad day, it's really, really, really bad. But when I come home and I see my wife and I see my kids, and I see what I have here, it makes it different. I know who's behind me. I know why I'm doing this. I know what's going on. It's just, it's different. Even if your kid is coming home to a loving home, to loving parents, they don't know to appreciate that right then. To them, they're coming home to their Daladamas. Their Daladamas is that room, that bed. That's all they see. And if they're in an out-of-town yeshiva, they're coming home to their roommate. They're coming home to some cold room. That's all. My life is infinitely better than theirs. 
I don't care if I'm in debt. I don't care if I have digas that they don't have. My life is infinitely better because my support system is so amazing. My support system is so genuine and so beautiful. When I come through my front door, my little daughter, she comes running up to me and she gives me a hug. What doesn't make everything better after that? Knowing that you're that important to another person. Your kid comes home. Your teenager walks in. Take your shoes off. Take your, take, take your shoes off. You're bringing it into the house. The cleaning lady was here today. Take your shoes off. You're happier when the cleaning lady walks in than when your kid does. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough being a kid. It's rough being a teenager. Have a little sympathy towards them. So to answer your question, everything that's happening to them in high school is so important, but that's why we have to forego all the stupidity. Forget what they're gonna do next year. Forget what college they're going to go to. Forget what grades they're getting. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I did so bad in school. I can't begin to tell you. I was a horrific student. I was. I was dumb. I, I, and a little secret, I still not that bright. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I was not, I just, I wasn't learning the way everyone else would learn. I just didn't. I, I I'm sorry, it's just not who I was. My mother was the one who always made me feel that I'm a genius though, that I know what I'm talking about somehow and that I have these great insights. Even though the school, I didn't do that well in it. I, I know there are so many people out there right now that have their point to disagree with me on that have their specific point about their specific kid that they disagree on. But I'm telling you right now, what you give your kids right now by way of simcha sachayim, not pushing them, not, not belittling them, but making them feel like they could take on the world right now, not asking them, it is one big thing I always harp on. I apologize for taking so long for each question, but it's one thing I, I, I always harp on that your kid wakes up. What's the first thing you say to your kids in the morning? What's the first thing? Did you wash Negevasa? You say Maidani? You wash your hands? Put together your bag? Where's your homework? You're interrogating them and they haven't woken up yet. You haven't woken up yet. I don't know what you should say to them. They're not my kids. They're yours. You know them better than me. The Rabbani Shalom gave them to you, not to me. But what I do know is, is that there, there is a version that takes you two extra minutes to say to them that is loving, that is beautiful, that is accepting. So yeah, the high school years are so important. When people tell you to lay off, what they're telling you to lay off on, and this is why I'm saying they're not mutually exclusive, what they're telling you to lay off on is the things that, that, that just are going to be later or don't matter. Build the person in the now. If you could teach kids, teenagers specifically, one thing, teach them to live in the now. Stop asking them questions about their future and ask them questions about how they feel 
and how they, they react now, in the right now. When they come home with something silly that happened or something, ask them about it. Let them talk about it. Ask them their opinions. Ah! The parent that asks a kid their opinion. You have no idea what you just did to a teenager when you ask them their opinion on something. You're remodeling. I always tell parents, if you're remodeling a house, if you're, if you're redoing a kitchen, if you're not, paint a room in your house just to pull off this move. Ask your kid their opinion on colors. Ask them, what color do you think would look best in here? You have to follow through. What's that? Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to say it, but at the end of the day, the only danger here is you might have to follow through on the insanity, but what price would you pay? I'm going to end the whole thing with this. In when I was living in Israel, I, um, uh, there was a, there, there is a caver over there, the Zvila Rebbe's caver. And there's this thing that you go Bahab, not the actual Bahab, but Bahab, you go Monday, Thursday, Monday. You go Monday, Thursday, Monday, and you read a specific thing. Please, everyone who's about to book a flight to Israel just to go do this, don't do it. Don't do it, okay? Be you, be great. Don't go for school in life, but separate separate talk for a separate time. So it was Bahab. And I really, and I want you to listen to the story fully from beginning to end, because I think every point is really important. So I really needed something at that point. This goes back like 10 years. I needed something at that point. Really, really, it was very, 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 very important to me. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to the Zvela Rebbe. I'm going to the caver and I'm going to go Monday, Thursday. Monday was a train ride from my kolel. I had to walk up the Sanhedria Hill, which you might not think is a big deal, but believe me, it's a big deal. And I, I would go up, I would get the train. I would go to this Villa Rebbe's caver, which was again a walk. I just want to throw that out there. And I would uh, I would do Monday, Thursday, Monday. You say certain kapitlach to Hillam. I'm dyslexic. It took me a very long time to read through all the kapitlach to Hillam over there. And then you say a bakasha, and then you can ask anything you want, they say. And you get there, you get to this Villa Rebbe's caver. And there's a wall at this Villa Rebbe's caver because this is how you do it. You go Monday, Thursday, Monday. You say the Tehillim that they give you. They give you a pamphlet. You say it. You ask for what you want every time. And then after you get it, after it happens, you come back to this Villa Rebbe's caver and you're, you do Persume Nisa. You're Mafarsam the nest that happened. You write it and you put it up on this big wall. And you say... It worked. So I go, and I, as I'm walking to this Villa Rebbe's caver, I see the wall. And I start reading the things that are on the wall. This person, this person, unbelievable stories. I'm telling you, I, I'm friends with a, with a, a person, and maybe you guys have heard him speak, uh, Rabiel Gold. He was actually in color with me at the time. And uh, and I'm telling you, if Yol Gold ever ran out of material, which I know y'all, he won't. He just goes over to that wall and asks, and puts up another sign that says, please put your phone numbers along with the pet tech, along with the, the little sign that you put up. And I need, I'm going to call you afterwards and he'll do fine. Unbelievable. Nisim, you had to see this stuff. I go, 
I'm reading all of it. I go down, I go Monday, I go Thursday, I go Monday again. I'm on my last Monday, third time. I finish saying the Tehillim. I'm up to the Bakasha part. This is where you ask for whatever it is you wanted. I'm standing there. And I say to myself, what am I doing? I can ask for anything right now. If I get killed on the car ride home, if that train, and this was a real fear in Israel, if that train blows up on my ride home, what did I really want to ask for right now? And I just burst out crying. I was like, Rabban Shalom, please take care of my kids. Take care of my wife. Take care of my kids. I don't care. I don't care what they do. I don't care what happens. Just please let them be happy. Let them be healthy. Let them follow you. Let them find the joy that I find in you. Let, let them ask for so much. And I left. My train made it in case me being here didn't you know, explain that part. But it taught me a massive, massive lesson. At the end of the day, if you were forced to ask for one thing, if you, were, if, you, if you were to force to focus on one thing, you wouldn't care what they're going to do for a living. They'll figure it out. You wouldn't care what their plans are. They'll figure it out. It'll all be figured out. Focus on them. Not on what your neighbor is going to say about them. Not on what the shidduch that they're going to get. Not on any of it. Just focus on them. On what's going to make them feel amazing. And what's going to make them feel individual and unique. Just focus on that and you're going to do amazing. The kicker to the entire story is, I swear to you, no matter how many times I say over this story, and it's been a few times, I cannot for the life of me remember why I was going to this Villa Rebbe's caver to begin with. I have no idea. I don't know what was so stinking important back then that I needed to travel all that time and go to this Villa Rebbe's caver Monday, Thursday, Monday to ask for. I cannot, I promise you, I've said this over in dozens of speeches at this point, and I cannot for the life of me remember what I was going for. But that last bakasha of please just make my kids happy people that I will never forget for the rest of my life. Because it's real, it's all that really matters. So at the end of the day, take it seriously when you're, when you're dealing with your kids at that age, yes, take it seriously by not focusing on stupidity, by not focusing on their future, on what's going to happen, on who they're going to marry. None of it matters. All that matters is that they're strong people. And the only way to give them strength, the only way to give them that confidence, that self-esteem is right now showing them that they're important. Okay. Reverend Shushan, we have tons of questions. We, we didn't even start. You said all night, okay? Oh, right. I buckled in. <laughs> I'm in a seatbelt right now. Oh, you right. said all night. Not I don't know if we're ready to go. I don't know if we're going to finish by, by, by the next show Wednesday night. Okay, let's put on the thing. I just want to show everybody that's on here. 640 people. <clears throat> this Tuesday, this Wednesday night, we're having a special shear. Uh, we can't say 100%, but 9 o'clock. Ruben Feinstein will open up with words. We're going to get into shear. Sharing your greatness without giving it away, unlocking greatness with Charlie Rari. It's gonna start at nine o'clock. Everybody, please join, and um, we're looking forward. We're looking forward for this year. Okay, we go to the next question. So we have we, we have, have a live. live. We have a bunch live. So let's let's jump on that live. Are you ready? 
Okay, you're on. Diaz. Um, thank you so much, Rabbi Shuchan, Rabbi Shuchan. Um, I appreciate everything you've said so far. Um, I'm trying to make my son feel happy daily and I'm trying to spend more time with him, but he likes his room the best. His headphones, his music, his book. How, how can I reach out to him more and, and have him accept that love? He does have social issues as well, but I think he just prefers to spend more time by himself rather than the family and I miss him. It hurts. Hold on one second. I'm writing notes. Okay. Um, Robbie from Chazak. Sorry. Our partners mentioned Robbie before. Is it Sadik? I just wanted to say that in the introduction. Okay, back to this question. So I'm seeing a lot in the in 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 the asking of the question. I appreciate the question because I, I really want you to to understand what I'm saying. I'm not picking on your question. But you need to understand. In so I switch off weeks in mishpacha. I I uh, I do an article which is like a story. And the whole point of doing the articles was really just to give people a uh, an overview on really what our topic was tonight, which is that I'm a nobody. I I I don't have anything more than anyone that's here tonight has. I really don't. I honestly I don't. The only thing I had was a mother and a father who told me that I happen to be able, that I'm an empath and that I, I can feel other people. That, that's the only thing I had maybe as an edge, but that's it. Everything else I learned on the job, everything else. The whole point of the articles was, how can you have a little bit of an edge of working with people? The reason I bring that up is that there's also a question and answer segment where I try to give you, where I try to give people, I don't answer the question directly. I say, this is a question I'll get. And I try to dissect it to show you how, how we would go about it thinking wise. So when you ask that question, I just, I see a loaded question over here because in those question and answers, there's a little bit of an introduction, I think at the top, I never read it inside the magazine to be honest with you. But I think somewhere on the page, there's a introduction question, which is that I love questions. I love it because it is the basis of Judaism. When you look at any Gemara, when you look at anything, when you look at the best guy in a base medrash anywhere, you'll see the best guy in any base medrash, any yeshiva is the guy who asked the best questions. I, and, and you have to realize in, in Yiddishkeit and from kind in Judaism, why this is so important. I had a friend of mine who was, who used to be a pastor um, in case, in case you don't understand that. Jews don't have pastors, okay? So he wasn't a Jew, but he was a pastor at some point and then he converted to Judaism. He, his wife, him and his, I, I don't have, we don't have the time to go into the whole story. It's an awesome story, but maybe a different time. We don't have time to go into the whole story, but they ended up in our house in Israel one time. Uh, Quincy Rogers, his name is, unbelievable he had. Ended up in our house one time of uh, Shabbos day. And I was asking him question after question after question. My wife was talking to his wife, asking her questions. And my wife asked his wife, Mrs. Rogers, you know, what happened when you asked the community or, you know, the, you know, preachers or whatever it was that you had, what happened when you asked them these questions that you had? And he said, she said, well, you weren't allowed to because questions are the devil's talk. You're not allowed to talk the devil's talk. 
I felt so honored to be a Jew at that point because all we do is question and it's beautiful. Within every single question, there's so much. So in this question, we find, how do I make him feel happy? The answer is you don't because you can't. Not your kid, not anyone, not ever. You can never make anyone feel happy. You can only be there for people. And it is the most difficult thing to do. I had a friend of mine who was a US Marine recon sniper. And I asked him one time, what was the most difficult part of doing that? Was it the training that he said the most difficult part of being a Marine recon sniper, which is one of the highest trained snipers on planet earth is the waiting. He's like, when you set up your sniper's nest and you have your gun, you have your snow scope and you have to wait that waiting. He's like, you don't know if you're going to be there for two minutes or two hours, or two days. You have no idea. The wait is so hard. You can't make someone feel happy, but you can be there with them as they figure it out. So like you said, he prefers being in his room. He prefers his headphones. He prefers all these things. Honestly, we don't have time to go into this right now. These are stories. These aren't true. You, and again, I'm not accusing you of anything. Everyone does this. I do this. I'm not going to rat anyone else out, but Coach Menachem does it. No, I'm saying everyone does this. Everyone does this. Everyone on earth does this. We tell ourselves stories and we have to ask if our stories are true all the time. This is a story you're telling yourself. This is a narrative that you have going in your head because your kid's not communicating. So you have a narrative going in your head. The narrative going in your head is my son prefers his headphones and he prefers his rooms. room. You're going to say, it's not a narrative. I have proof that he prefers his headphones and he prefers his room. That is that he keeps going to his headphones in his room. That's not a preference. That's not a preference. There's a million reasons I could give you he's going to his headphones in his room. That's nothing to do with a preference. That doesn't mean he likes it more. doesn't mean he wants that more. So we're going to bring all this down into one neat little package, hopefully. What I would do is there's something your kid likes. I don't know what it is. It could be Chinese food. I hope it's Chinese food. Because whenever it's Chinese food, I have something called the art of the milkshake. Whenever I have a guy or a kid that I'm trying to reach that just nothing is working, he's stonewalling me completely and nothing is working, I take him out for milkshakes. I take him out for ice cream. The reason being, have you ever eaten ice cream and not been able to be social while you're doing it? It's just, you're having ice cream. You're already, all your defenses are down once you're having ice cream. There's nothing you can do anymore. You're eating ice cream. It's not sustenance. You're not eating it because you, you're, you're starving to death. You can't say anything other than I'm enjoying this. Once you're enjoying something, you're gonna be able to communicate with another person. It's just the way it works. So I hope he loves Chinese food or I hope he has a restaurant that he likes or something specific because you need to start dating this kid. The reason being, and I'm not accusing you of anything, but you don't know him and he doesn't know you. You guys have gotten to a point where you keep trying to say to him, Tadik, don't you want this? Don't you want that? Don't you want this? Don't you want that? And you're trying to make him happy. But he doesn't want to be happy because he's not feeling happy. He wants to feel the way he's feeling. And you keep telling him he's not allowed to. But he is allowed to because that's how he's feeling. 
He needs to feel comfortable opening up to you and you're not allowing him. So if he doesn't feel comfortable opening up to you, he's gonna to run to his room. The reason why I say I hope he loves Chinese food is that if you could take him out on a date, what do you do on a date? You get to know somebody. What does that mean? If, uh, you know, you can imagine, I don't know how old you are, but if you have a daughter that's dating, she goes out on a date and she comes back and she's like, yeah, that's never happening again. You're like, what happened? She's like, he proposed. It's like, what? What? <laughs> it's the first date. What are you talking about? It's like, yeah, he proposed. Proposed on the first date. You're like, weirdo. Why would he do that? Why is he so strange? It's a first date. It's a first, forget proposing. If he says to you something like, so you want to have a big family or a small family? Like, it's still a weird question. Like, you're not, you're not up to there, buddy. Relax. Ask a normal question. How many siblings do you have? What school did you go to? Why are you asking these questions? Because you want to get to know them. What do you do on a first date? You go somewhere to have fun. That's it. You want to see if the two of you can be compatible. Go on a date with this kid and talk about nothing. Go on a date and talk about the Chinese chicken. Go on a date and talk about how you wish you were eating shawarma because this chicken smells weird. Make a joke, make whatever it is. Show him that you value his company. You value being around him. You value being, being, being in proximity of him. Now tack onto this, the fact that he has social issues you know what social issues means? He looks around at the world and he sees people easily getting along with each other, easily connecting to each other. And he looks around and he sees the people closest to him and he says, I can't even connect with them. Do you have any idea how scary of a place the world is to a kid like this? It's so bad, it's so scary. He felt that if he tells you who he really is, everyone's going to abandon him. So that it's not that he enjoys his room and the headphones more. It's that that is the safest place for him. You have to create a new safe place for him. And that's with you in a very close proximity to him. I hope Terrific. that John, amazing. I mean, woo, going deep in here. Um, we have so many questions. Can we try to like... I'm sorry. I know, I know, I'm sorry. We have so many. Okay, we have a lot of live, and we didn't even touch the topic about helping others. We're talking about full teenagers, so we have a lot to go. Yeah, I know you have all night. Okay, let's go. I cleared my schedule. I turned off my phone. I didn't. But... Okay, you're on. You're live. Hello. Okay, what could I do? First of all, thank you for everything, Rabbi Ben Shushan. I really love listening to you on Torah. Thank you for getting my name right. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, basically, what can I do? Basically, I'm a teenager. I'm graduating this year, and I went through a lot um, during my child childhood, still going through. But um, basically, my last year of elementary, my principal made me go through a lot. My whole elementary, she kind of didn't believe in me. And my last year of elementary, she really screwed me up and um, like whatever. And I'll have to face her. And I still have to see her like almost every day in the same building. And basically I want to know what I could do to show her like maybe that I'm hurt or like not to do to other people because it's painful what she did to me, but not to like 
not to be chutzpidig or something, to do it in a nice way. Thank you for getting my name right, first of all. Second of all, did you ever email me? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I, I caught Sorry. <laughs> I caught you. That was impressive, even for me. Is that now, bad? No, not at all. Not at all. I just, okay, I'm sorry. I have a very big ego and I just wanted to know that I was right about that. That's all. That has nothing to do with anything. Okay. So here, here's the thing. This is something I came up with literally. I really appreciate the question because um, honestly, I feel like you actually should be more impressed with yourself than I am with you because I feel like you read this on me somehow. Last week, Wednesday, um, I went, okay. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting looks from our partners already because I'm about to go on a tangent, but I'm going to do it quick. Last week, Wednesday, I went to the middle of a field in the middle of Nowheresville, Ohio, because I do this every now and then. Um, I need my own time also. So I went to the, uh, in the middle of a field in the middle of Nowheresville, Ohio, and I, it was a, it's a stargazing spot. I'm not a big stargazer, but I wanted to see Hashem. So I, I went somewhere where you feel small, and you realize how amazing the world is. And then it's like my wife one time said to me, she was on a trip in the middle of, I think, Utah or somewhere. And she said, yeah, see, it's amazing. You've never seen a mountain like this. You've never seen a sunset like this. And to know that the one who created that mountain, the one who created this perfect, gorgeous sunset, created me and thinks that I'm better than that that I'm more beautiful and more amazing than that is awe-inspiring. So I go there sometimes to, to, to get that feeling. While I was there, that was the whole point. While I was there, I, I came up with a little bit of an idea and it's still forming in my head. In a couple of weeks, I'm sure it'll be a back air confession or something, but it's still forming in my head. But I think it's the answer to your question. We can never expect anything of any other human being on earth if we don't communicate it. If we don't take control over our communication and instead we allow our ego and our pride to get in the way, our insecurities, our fears, to get in the way of us communicating, we can never properly communicate. We can never properly expect anyone to do anything different. So I can tie this hopefully also into our topic for tonight, which is working with people, helping people, being there for people. We have to actually do something. So you need to ask yourself a question. Why do you want to tell this principle this? Now, I'm not ask, actually asking you to answer. I'm asking you why. Why am I asking you this? Are you trying to teach her a lesson? When I say teach her a lesson, I mean, are you trying to like dig it to her? I want you to know you messed me up. Because at the end of the day, it's not true. It is true. She was probably wrong and you're probably right. No one can mess you up unless you left the door open. I wanna show you something, okay? I'm in my dining room right now. Yeah, I have that hanging in my dining room because 
we're still Israeli and we're not that official of people. Behind me is a window. It's a big window. And that's a high chair. That, I don't know what that is. I didn't hang it, but you can still see the, the white things are on it. So I'm going to re-gift that at some point. That's my kitchen. And okay, you can't see it. I just realized. But back there behind that wall is another room and it's called a sunroom. I live in Cleveland. There is no sun. Why do I have a sunroom? It's a good question. I didn't build a house, don't ask me. But in that sunroom, it gets cold as you would not believe. And if you by accident leave the door that doesn't latch, open by accident, it gets freezing in there. It's like 20 degrees in Cleveland right now. It gets freezing in there. But now if it gets ultra freezing in there because you left the door open, you can't blame Cleveland, the weather, or anything else. You left the door open. Now, I understand that you're young, but you got to get this point down. Everyone has to get this point down. I got to get this point down. If I allow someone else to affect me so negatively and take control over how I feel about myself, it's because I left the door open for them to do that. You need to realize something. 15 other people could have told you you're awesome, you're amazing, and you're going to do great. And it wouldn't have mattered because that one person said to you, you're this, 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 and this. It had to do with your belief system. If deep down you believed that, you were just looking for the person to tell you the truth. Once you found that negative person who was wrong and told you that, you believed it automatically. Other people who are telling you all that positive, you don't believe them. Why? Because you believed about yourself that it was negative. Now, you're right. You should tell this principle after you've done that work. You should be telling this principle. You should be telling all these people how you feel. You should. But you have to do it right. You have to do it right. How do you do that right? I'm going to tell you. And this is how you're going to be able to tell whether or not you're being genuine or not. Because if you're, you're really trying to do is change how this principle behaves around other people. Now, I did not do well in school. I had a Rebbe one time tell me, I, I heard a speech from a Rosh Hashiva. I was visiting from Israel and I went back to my class and I guess I was quiet in that class because normally I wasn't. And the Rebbe of that was Bikias. Any man here understands what Bakia Shia really is. So I shouldn't have been quiet during that class. And I went back to that class and I sat down and I guess I wasn't making trouble. So the Rebbe said to me, Ben Shushan, what's the matter? Your mouth isn't working today. So apparently I made a lot of jokes in that class as opposed to the rest of my life where I make a lot of jokes anyway. And I said, no, Honestly, the, the, the rub that just spoke by Mincha just before this, he got into my head. It was amazing. And I said, I don't know what I was thinking then because I wasn't even thinking about going to yeshiva yet. Or, but I said, I want to go to his yeshiva. I want to go to that yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. When I go to Eretz Yisrael, I'll never forget for as long as I live what that Rebbe said to me. He came up to me, looked at me, and with complete genuineness. Now, he never liked me. He never was really that into me, but he walked up to me and with a complete genuine face, with his whole heart, 
He looked me in the eyes and he said to me, Yassi, guys like you don't go to places like that. That's a big yeshiva. That's a big Rebbe. You're not going to be able to do that. So I had no choice. <laughs> I ended up going to that yeshiva and doing well there because even if I didn't want to go there at the end of the day, there was no way I wasn't proving him wrong. <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. But the fact of the matter is, if I really went back to him to tell him, it would be because I wanted to stick it to him. So you need to question yourself right now. What do you want to do? I've been hurt by many rabbi and many principles. What do you want to do? Do you really want to save the next person? Because if that's the case, then what you need to do is this, in my opinion. You said we weren't giving opinions tonight? No? Ah, fine. In my opinion, you go over to that principal and you tell her at least three things that she did that made you feel amazing, that really inspired you, that you really were able to take from great. And then you could tell her, there's only one thing that I didn't understand. And you know what? It's probably because I didn't understand it. Why did you, and then you can ask X, Y, and Z. Now, the reason you're doing this is, is that if you're going to pit her automatically against what she did, not only is she going to say what she did is right, she's going to do it to the next kid again to prove that what she did is right, because she's a human being, and that's what we do. But if you give her the out, if you tell her all the amazing things that she did for you, and then you tell her just to explain to you why she did what she did. She's not going to do it to the next kid. And she's going to actually probably be able to explain to you what it was that she was thinking, which probably will soften the blow for what she did for you. Personally, if I was feeling this way about a principal, it would all be ego and pride and I would just want to get him back. But you're probably a bigger person than I am. So go to the next question. Um, <clears throat> what if you have a friend who is struggling in relationships and this person is asking, she, um, I can see clearly the issue, what the issue is and what she's doing wrong. Should I try to tell her or just watch this rain trick? I'm sorry, Rob, you're gonna have to say the whole thing again. You cut out for a second. I have a friend who is struggling in her relationships and I can see clearly the issue, what the issue is and what she's doing wrong. Should I try to tell her or just watch the rain trek? Train the wreck. train wreck, sorry. Okay, I'm dyslexic too. Um, <laughs> you read it the right way, now. you read it the right way. <laughs> I heard it right the first time. <laughs> when he said train wreck, I was like, what is, what's that? Um, okay. So the reason I said that we don't do advice or opinions is because no one cares. It's, it's look, it's, it's really what I just said also, just again, which is that, what are you trying to do? You're trying to help this person? Or are you trying to prove to them that you've always known what's wrong? Because the odds are you might be wrong, by the way. You don't know everything about them. You don't know everything about them. You might be wrong. That might not be their problem. Just accept that might not be their problem. It might be your problem with them and it might be what, things that they've done to you, but that might not be their problem. 
So accept that fact, first of all. Second of all, are they going to listen to you? If yes, if they're a person that just blindly listens to you, then yeah, maybe there's a way that you can bring it up. Again, I would say the same thing we just said to the person beforehand with positivity, with specific things. But in reality, I don't think that's the case. If you're saying that, I'm just feeling so much more behind that than, you know, it's the I've always known. I knew all along that this was the, and now they're ruining all their relationships in their life because this was the, I, I hear this a lot. I, I don't mean to pick on anyone here, but mostly from mothers. A lot of mothers show up and say, I knew, I knew, I, I, I told them that this was going to be a problem. And then, and then it came back full circle. It's not that fathers don't think this way. It's that they just, we just don't care enough. It's not, it's, it's a completely different issue, <laughs> but I hear this a lot from people. So, Yes, you should for sure explain to them what's going on. But at the end of the day, people need to find what their problems are, what their issues are, and find their solutions also on their own. We're in it. If you want to help someone, you're in it for the long haul. You're in it to listen, to guide, to help. But that's it. Just pointing out someone's problems doesn't usually help. So, yeah, if you have to sit there and watch them suffer through things, you can gently guide them in a direction. But to say that you're going to tell them the solution to their problems or, or the core to their problems, number one, you're probably wrong. And number two, even if you're right, if they're not going to listen, then what's the point? You to check a box, say you were Yotze, say that you, you did yours, you're good to go. That's not really helping anybody. So I would develop the relationship enough that they listen to you and then you can guide them in that direction of wherever it is that you feel that they need to do work. You know, uh, we're going to take a live question and then we're going to a little bit switch gears here to go more into a different topic a little bit. So it's going to be, we're getting warmed up now. Okay, everybody's here. We had a little breakfast, a little, you know, now we're getting ready. Let's go. Live question, Esther. Hi, Rabbi Ben Shoshan. Hi. Hi. Um, How are you? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. So um, there is a group of us uh, that are already older parents that have big kids. That we're not zolcha to have people like yourself when our kids were young to guide us, including the internet and the podcasts and all the available tools. So um, my question to you is, my kids are big married some are almost married i mean meaning that they're getting to that point um and um i made a lot of mistakes you know i did my best um i tried to be a different parent than my parents were i took their positive without trying to bring in their negative um but my kids have a lot of anger towards me about the things that they feel that um, I didn't do right and they have their pain and I mean I have apologized but I don't think it's enough um, and I wanted to know what can I do I told you 
I'm, just, I'm a little emotional. Just give me one second. It's not just you. Yeah. Okay. If you did your best, okay. You said you did your best. You don't believe that. And I wanna, I wanna explain what I mean by that. I'm a very big believer in what's done is done. I wanna, I wanna be very clear here. I have no parents to abandon their children, literally. I mean that in the most literal sense you could possibly imagine. Abandon, 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 abandon. Come back years later, years later. The genuine apology, genuine emotion, and the kids accept them back and allow them fully into their lives. I'll tell you where the problem starts. And I'm, I'm sorry for causing you any emotion over here. I don't know where you are right now. If you're driving, maybe pull over. I don't think it's your kids that need to forgive you. I think it's you that needs to forgive you. You said you did your best. I don't believe you believe that. I believe you're harping on this. I believe you're holding on to this. And I'll tell you why. So if genuinely you showed up to your kids and apologized, everyone messes up. It's totally okay. Kids are resilient, by the way. A lot of people don't think that. They think they're, you know, children are completely fragile. They're not. Kids are resilient. They can handle a little beating. I mean that in the most figurative, figurative way possible. I'm not asking anyone to go beat their children right now. I'm just saying that like kids can handle it. If you genuinely showed up and truly apologized, by the way, without justification, a lot of people do these backhanded apologies. Well, I'm sorry I wasn't around when you were a kid, but you know what? I had to make money. Yeah, it's not an apology. You still believe that making money was more important. You still believe you had to do that. An apology sounds like this. I'm sorry that I thought that I was young, dumb, and thought that making money was more important than spending time with you. I'm sorry, I just wanna see how many people are here. Okay, so I'm about to admit this to this many people. I, I, it's a secret between us, okay? Just between us, everyone here. My parents, um, uh, a few years ago, moved to Lakewood, New Jersey. Jackson, really. So, and they, um, they specifically bought a house that had a pool. Um, it's like the, the pool is bigger than the house. It's like this little house. But my father and my mother were so happy to have a pool so that the, the grandkids and everyone could come swimming. And it's like down from the house. It's not even a good pool. But at the end of the day, it's a pool. So I remember one time I was sitting next to the pool with my father. And my brother, Avi, was in the pool with his kids. My father was looking. And I looked over. And I saw my father. He's a Moroccan, but he, he was getting very emotional. I took his hand and I'm like, Abba, what's going on? And he goes, Yossi, I came over from Morocco when I was 13. I didn't have a father. 
I didn't have anyone to raise me. I didn't know, I didn't know. I was, I was wrong. I should have done more of this with, my, with, with you guys, and I didn't. My father was like, uh, he was the man. He was, he, was, he was anything and everything to look up to. He was genuine and he was honest, honest to a fault. He was an accountant. And we knew the only reason my father never made any money is because he was an honest accountant. Who the heck wants an honest accountant? I'm saying it's like it's the worst. The only the the, the only thing closer to that, you know, is an honest lawyer. Like, what, what do you No, You're not going to rat me out in court, buddy. Like, that's the worst thing. Like, so he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like that. I'm sorry. I wasn't able to. It was a genuine apology. It was an apology that wasn't needed, but it was a genuine apology. If you feel that you genuinely have apologized to your children for whatever you did, okay. Gen I don't know the story. Maybe, maybe there is an apology needed, maybe not. But before any apology is issued to anyone, if you wanna really feel it, you have to apologize to yourself first. You have to allow yourself the understanding of why you did what you did and allow yourself to be past it. An apology, again, does not sound like this. You have to understand, I'm sorry, but my parents did this and this and this and this. That's not an apology. That's a justification. They're very different. Your kids don't care what your parents did to you. You gave birth to them. Your parents didn't. They wanted you to be you for them. They're going to learn one day. They're going to be parents and they're going to be grandparents and they're going to learn. But as of right now, they don't know. They don't know what that feels like. So until that happens, you need to speak to them. And this goes for every kid of every age. You need to speak to a child of any age as they are a child. So if it's a 10-year-old, if it's a 20-year-old, it's a 40-year-old. You have to speak to them at their level of life. If a 30-year-old isn't a grandparent yet, they don't understand what that's like. And if they're a parent of little children, they don't understand what it's like to be a parent of big children. They just don't get it. You need to explain it to them. You need to explain it to them on their level, on their understanding. If you do that, then it's great. One closing point on this is that if, you know, I, I, I was at a speech one time many years ago uh, about kids going off that and someone was, someone got up, a woman got up and started yelling at me. You know, it's easy for you to say, to accept a kid and this and that, but when your kid is running around being Michal Shabbos in your house with the other kids there, I want to see what you say. So I said, I was like, I'm sorry, but I, I, I do have a kid. One of my sons are Michal Shabbos. It's the truth. Uh, one of my sons, he's, he's not from, and he uh, he turns on lights. He refuses to wear a yarmulke in the house at all, like at all, ever, 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 ever. Does not wear a yarmulke, turns on lights on Shabbos, uh, tries to find the phones. He always wants to be on a phone, always wants to be on, you know, um, always is like, what are you calling? Specifically, we'll, we'll you know, do things with muksa on Shabbos just to drive us crazy, turn off lights that we can't turn back on, like th to that level. And the lady said to me, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I didn't, like, 
I didn't know you had a teenager that you're young. I'm like, oh, I don't. No, no, my, my son's four. Ooh, sorry, I didn't mean to be misleading. My son's four years old. And she's like, oh, okay, come back to me when he's 15. I'm like, no, no, you see, that's the mistake you're making. Your son's not 15. He's been around for 15 years, but he's not 15 years old. He's four. He's four years old. That's what's going on up here is that he's four years old. He's acting out the same way my four-year-old is acting out. The only difference is that it's easier for me to forgive a four-year-old than it is to forgive a 15-year-old, than it is to forgive a 20-year-old, than it is to forgive a 40-year-old. But at the end of the day, it's what they're holding on from when they're four. It doesn't change. If you can work through that four-year-old, then you can understand the 15-year-old. Then he'll be a 15-year-old. Go ahead. Sorry. Go. My wife has a request. Go for it. What? Your wife? Well, then everything ends. Go for it. <laughs> What's to tell the lollipop bushel? Ooh. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Topics. Okay. Okay. All right. Is everyone ready? Everybody on. Make sure to put your seatbelt on, okay? Yeah, because this is mine. This 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 one legitimately took me years to, uh, but once it happened, it changed my life. So, okay. I have the cutest kid in the world. I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. I know you think it's yours. It's not. It's mine. His name is Ashi. He's slightly out of his mind, but he's great. So Ashi has a lollipop addiction and we're okay with it. We're fine with it. He walks around and do this. If I wasn't tethered down to stuff over here, I would, I would actually go get it, but just wires. You don't see them going all over here. Um, I would go get the, he, my wife is very, is a very healthy uh, uh, person, uh, not just mentally, thank God, because I'm not, but uh, uh, not just emotionally, I'm saying, but you know, uh, physically we eat like we're vegans. but we are. And so we have these uh, organic lollipops. Now organic lollipops get stuck to the wrapper a lot more than regular lollipops. And my son Ashi loves lollipops. So he walks around with a whole bag of lollipops. He doesn't always eat them, but he sort of knows. It's like a comfort thing. It's like a blankie. He knows he has them. And as long as he knows he has them, he's good to go. So he's, he's a very amicable, very agreeable child, this kid, unlike my other one, but he's very agreeable until he pulls out a lollipop and tries to eat it. So the wrapper sticks to it and he can't get it off. The same thing will always happen. I go up to him, I see him struggling with the lollipop. I go up to him, I take the lollipop from him. The minute I take the lollipop from him to open it for him, he loses it. Is the only time where he loses it. I'm talking about middle of Walmart, middle of the toy section aisle, lose it, tantrum type of thing. He jumps on the floor, starts screaming and crying. I open the lollipop. I try to hand it back to him. He's so involved in his tantrum. He doesn't even see me trying to give it back to him. He's gone. He's gone. I'm trying to hand it back. Gone. Finally, after a few minutes, he looks up and he sees the lollipop. And he's like, oh, 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 
He grabs it and he's fine again. He's good to go. He gives me a hug. He's so happy. And he goes about his business with his bag of lollipops. And I'm laughing at him. You didn't have to go through the whole tantrum. You don't have to go through everything. You don't have to go through all this. Just, I'm just taking the lollipop to open it for you. Then I realized something amazing. We do this all the time. Hashem takes something from us. Hashem makes us wait for something for two seconds and we lose our minds. Something doesn't work out. The thing that we knew, we knew it was the best thing in the world. We knew this is what I needed. That thing that I went to the Zvila Rebbe for was the most important thing in the world and had to happen right then. We knew I needed that opportunity. I needed that, I, I needed that thing. I needed that. And Hashem says, eh, let me just take this for one second. And you're like, oh no. And we lose our minds. We start crying and davening and fetching and losing it. And Hashem is just saying, just give me one second. I'm opening the lolly for you. I'm just opening it up for you. You can't eat it like this. You can't enjoy it like this. It's worthless until I take the wrapper off for you. Now you can have it. But he tries handing it back to us and we're too busy having our tantrum to realize he's handing it back to us, open, ready to eat, ready to enjoy. He's giving it back to us better than we than he took it from us. But we're so distracted in it. We get so delved down into what's bad. We don't realize all he's doing is opening the lolly and handing it back. It's money. I lost a job. I lost a job. The Rabbi Shalom is saying to you, I'm rearranging the entire world's economy for you to have a better job. Can you give me one minute? Can you give me one minute after your boss called you to tell, to tell you that he doesn't need you to work for him anymore? Can you give me one minute? I just, I just need a few minutes to rearrange China's economy so that you can have your money more. Can, can I just, how many times have we done this dance with Hashem? where something bad happens. And then two years later, we're like, isn't it, but really, wasn't it the best thing ever? No, Hester Panim, Hashem was hiding and he really meant to do the best thing. So I'm saying to him right now because Mamish Hodzata Hashem, I thought it was the worst, but Baruch Hashem, it's the best of Hashem. Yes. How many times do we do this dance with him? To the point that imagine, <laughs> I hate to say it like this is such, this is such kfira, but imagine what it's like to be the Rabbi Shalalem over here. He's like, how many times? Because every time I take that lolly from Ashi, he loses his mind. How many times are we going to do this dance? that it always ends up, it's the best for you. It always ends up that way. It always. You know anyone who it took a long time to date? 
When I say a long time, I mean they started dating at 21 and at 23, they got married. There was a good three years and they were dating all the time. So many dates. And by the way, no one's ever happy dating. It's like they went on 20 dates, 20, they dated 20 people. They dated 20 people. They're not finding anyone. They date no one. No one's calling. I don't understand. No matter what, it's always bad. Ask them how life is two years into marriage. So remember all those dates? Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Woo! Bit a bit, bit a bullet on that one. Everyone's fine. Yet during that dating process, every mother, grandmother, aunt, sister, everyone's losing their minds. Nothing else is important in life anymore. Everyone is losing it. Give him five minutes. The measure says he's performing a miracle greater than Kriyas Yamsov. If I were to take this cup of tea and split it in half, it would officially be the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Every shidduch that he creates is bigger of a miracle than that. Give him five minutes. Just give him a few minutes. He took the lollipop. Your kid isn't doing that great right now. I hold the record in my high school for suspensions. No one in the history of my high school, I checked last year, no one in the history of my high school was suspended more times than me for random acts of whatever, okay? <laughs> no one. At the time, my parents could have said to me, I don't understand. It's a good home. It's a good family. What's the matter with you? Instead, they laughed most of them off. And to the others, they were like, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> because it was funny, but really. <laughs> Next time, seriously. No, we're serious now. Next time, no. Okay? Because, again, there was no drugs involved. There was no, it was all good, good fun. But even the principal was laughing when I got suspended. The point is, is that he's taken the lollipop from you for one minute, for two days, for a year. Give him a second. Because when you're having that tantrum, you don't get to see the next opportunity that he's trying to present you with. You don't get to see that he's trying to hand you back the lolly, unwrapped, ready to enjoy. Let's take a while. Powerful stuff. Powerful, powerful stuff. Okay, let's try to take to hop around some more. I'm going to go a little different angle over here. Uh, this is a great question that came in. I have a medical situation in my family, and I can and I and it can get very overwhelming. However, I can't accept myself. I can't. I cannot get myself to accept help from others. I actually try to hide my situation and pretend as if I am managing when I'm not. Where do I? Where do I start? Okay. Um. I don't know how old this person is, but I want to make a side note here. Uh, Parnas is tittering. He's tittering. He's like, enough with the side notes. Just answer a question. <laughs> um, please stop telling your kids to hide stuff. If there's something in your house that needs to be hidden, get rid of it. If it's 
if it's there and you can't get rid of it, let them be open with people. Be proud of who you are. Rabbi Shalom put you in that situation for a reason. Be proud of it. It's okay. It's okay. Your kid's going to go tell his Rebbe that his brother's off the derech. Let me tell you a secret. That Rebbe's kid is also off the derech. Everyone's fine. Everyone will make it through, I promise. If we were all just open and honest about what we are, and what we're going through, the world would be a much more beautiful, much better place. So that's having been said. This again falls into two separate questions. Question number one, I can't accept help from other people. Question number two is I have a medical situation or something like that going on in my house. I can't imagine what you're going through right now. When we, when me personally, when I had a med, and I don't mean to bring a personal things because I don't need that really. You know, people tend to think you know, whenever I tell people I work with drug addicts or addicts or people suffering from substance abuse, it, it, people always tend to say to me like, so what's your experience? So I was like, oh, I, I worked in rehabs and I worked, no, like, no, 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 no. What, what's personally, what's your experience with? And I was like, so I hope none of my students are listening in right now. They should be asleep by now. But uh, in case they are, you know, don't believe me, I guess. But the truth is, is that anytime any of my students or any of my clients, anyone ever asked me, have you ever used drugs? And I'm going to tell you guys the same thing. Um, I'm not going to give anything away here. I always say, maybe, yeah, maybe no. The reason being that if I say yes, they're like, well, you use drugs and you're fine, which I'm not, by the way. <laughs> Number two is if I say no, they're like, oh, so you don't understand where I'm coming from. You see, because people tend to do that. Everyone thinks that the best person to work with you is someone who has been through what you've been through. I don't mind that. That's okay. What I mind is when we think I can't work or I can't help that person because I've never been through what they've been through. And that's a lie. I brought some of my students one time to see my Rebbe, Rebbe Berkowitz. And he said, uh, and afterwards we left. And one of my tougher guys said to me, I was like, how was it? And he said, Rabbi, that guy, I didn't correct him. He goes, that guy got me more than anyone I've ever met. Rabbi Berkowitz has not really seen much in life. I'm, I'm sure he's been through a lot, but I'm saying as far as on the streets go, he's not seen much outside of a daf gemara, a shulchan aruch, or whatever it is. But he got him. Why did he get him? Because he's so superbly interested in people. He wanted to connect with him. He wanted to know who this kid was. You don't need to have the same experience that someone else is going through to be there for them, to help them, to stand for them. So that aside, I did have a medical experience in my house. And that, even with that, I will say that, you know, it really goes by the family and it really goes by so many things. Me and my brother, we, we tell jokes a lot and we make fun of a lot of things. I remember I was with my brother in the hospital one time and we were making jokes. And one of the nurses said to us, she's like, you do know he has cancer, right? I'm like, yeah. 
that's why we're making all the cancer jokes. I just, that's why all those jokes are happening right now because it's the, it's an easy punchline. You know, the, everyone handles things differently. If you have someone sick at home and you, you need to speak to someone and parents out there, if Khalila, you have a sick kid or you have a kid who's off the derech, by the way, or you have a kid who's struggling, your other kids also need you and need help. Usually, if a kid is going off the derech, because they're shining a light on something that's there among everyone. Now, if it's a sick kid, again, if it's a physical disease or whatever it is, you use it. Bring the family together. Talk about it. You need help and you need to be there for each other. One caveat to this, everyone on earth needs a Rebbe, needs help. What I mean by that is, the Mishnah says, the reason is, everyone needs that. I don't care who you are. I have my Rebbeim. I get lost all the time. Literally twice a week. That's what I meet with my Rebbe. Twice a week for a half hour, I'm lost. So he guides me. You got to get lost. And you have to have the person you go to to speak to about it. Everyone. There is no such thing as not being able to ask for help. There is no such thing as not being able to talk about what you're going through. Because if you do that to yourself, you're robbing yourself of living a beautiful life. For what? For pride? To pretend that everything's perfect? For what? So that everyone gets married to a good, to a, to, 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 to a good shidduch. For what? For five years from now, do you realize that they're not a perfect shidduch because there's no such thing? For what? Why are we doing this? What are we trying to protect? The answer is both. If you have something going on in your house, you need people to talk to. And if you can't accept help, then that's what you need to work on, accepting help, because you need it. Like everyone on earth needs it. We're gonna throw in one more question. Please. Before everybody goes to sleep. Now from then we'll go to closing. Already? This is... <laughs> I just wanna say one thing before we end it. When we were together that job, Sonny Perlman said, uh, one of his speeches, he said, imagine every person could put a flag in front of their house and say, I'm suffering. That's with a great you. one. I'm, my kid's off the derech. I don't have money. This person in my family has cancer. And everybody would know what everybody starts and everybody would be open about it, how, how the world would look. Imagine one block. One block does that. And everyone walks out of their front doors and sees them. I'm telling you right now, it would be a block of people standing in the street just hugging each other. Yep. That would be the entire thing. Another organization. Let's go. <laughs> Flags. I hear you. By the way, you know what Rapart has got me to do this? It was, it was an ingenious move. This is how I thought you read my articles. I was on my way in between speeches going into the coffee room over there. And he stood in between me and the coffee. I would have agreed to sell one of my own kids at that point to get a cup of coffee. That's where he, so for everyone to know, if you ever you need me to do anything, just stand in front of me and coffee. Go ahead. I have a close friend who financially, he's financially struggling tremendously. And I know he's embarrassed about it. What can I what do as friend? a friend? 
as a friend, what can I do to help him and show him that I care without hurting his ego? One of my friends apparently wrote in. Um, here's the thing. Let me explain. Let me explain. Okay. I, this, is a, this, is, this is a beautiful one to end with because I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to answer the concept of the question. By the way, I just want to just, just globalize the question. Three, four of the questions we have here. I have somebody that, that doesn't have kids and we have a problem with that. I have somebody financially. I have somebody to this. It's a general question. Right. You know somebody's in a situation. Right. You want to help them, how to go about it, what to do. That's the, let's just globalize it. That's why I didn't want to answer the question. I'm going to answer what I want to answer about the question, which is this. And I promise you right now, the lollipop thing has to do with this, but it's, it goes further. The lollipop thing I came up with two years ago, this I came up with this year, and it's not, but it's, it, it goes further with it. Is this the gushers one or the fruit, fruit by the foot? <laughs> it goes like this. It goes like this. We have to stop trying to solve people's problems. We have to stop trying to find the answers to people's problems. Someone comes to us. Our kid comes home. This is, this is basic chinuch. But we violate it. And I'm just using this as an example. But we violate it all the time to solve a problem because we're so uncomfortable around someone going through a hard time. And, and because we get so uncomfortable around someone going through a hard time, we try to just nuclear bomb it, just take care of it. And, 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 and if we could take care of it, everything will be okay. It's a lie, it's not true. If you had no problems in your life, everyone, everyone, I want everyone right now I'll pull Yom Tov Glazer right now. Uh, hey, bro, I want all of you right now to think about right now. I mean, if we were all the Amanivchar. No, I'm talking. But if I want all of you to think right now for one second, right now, of all the problems you have in your life, everything, every issue, just really focus on them. Whatever the big one is that, oh, if that wasn't there, think about that one. Now I want you for one second, just really think about it. Focus on it. Make it a part of yourself right now. Have your hyper-focus on it. Now I want you to remove it. It wasn't there. What you're seeing right now is a void. You're not seeing joy. You're not even seeing relief. You're not feeling anything. Why not? If you were able to remove all the problems from your life, why wouldn't you feel joy? The answer is very simple. Happiness, simcha, joy, it doesn't come from lack of problems. It comes from an actual pursuit, a constant pursuit of simcha, of joy in life. And you can have that even if you have problems. Because if you were to move all the problems in your life, I swear to you, you would still have issues. You would still not be happy. Happiness does not fill the void of lack of problems. It's something we have to pursue in and of itself. 
If we try to solve everyone's issue so that they're left with happiness, it doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work is because we're negating the biggest thing in the world. And this is something I normally cannot talk about. And I'm so happy I get the opportunity to talk about it right now. I got to talk about it with the lollipop and now I got to talk about it with this. I love it. Normally I lose my specific, my demographic audience with this, but I'm so happy I get to speak about it right now. By trying to solve everyone's problems, we are negating the Rabbi Shalom from our lives. We're saying, I know better than him. He put this in that person's life and I'm going to take it out. I'm the guy, this guy right here. I'm the guy. I'm going to solve his issue. No, you're not. No, you're not. They are on a journey. Everyone in life is on a journey. You have to accept them and their journey as it is. This is one of the most difficult things any human being, in my opinion, at this point of my life, could change in a few years, I don't know. But right now, literally, I mean, from last week till today, what I've realized is that this is the most difficult thing a person will do in their life. And that is accept the fact that everyone around them, I don't mean just your neighbors, by the way. I don't mean just that person going through a financial difficulty. I mean your spouse. I mean your spouse. I mean your kids are on a journey in life. A journey that they're a blemish land that God himself set up for them. You're not going to change that. So what's your job? Your job is to experience it with them is to be there in every single way for them. Now, yeah, if you have a friend that's struggling financially and you're able to offer them a job, for sure, maybe that's why they're going to put you in their life. I don't know. Offer them the job. Be there. But not just that. Not just that. Your kids need money. Your married children call you and say, Mom, I'm sorry, we're working. We're working really hard, but just rent this month. We just can't do it. You give it to them. If you can, you give it to them without asking. We're so worried about spoiling kids. That's another one. Another one that comes up all the time. Well, what if I'm spoiling them? When was the last time I met a spoiled kid? A kid who was spoiled with love? A kid who was spoiled with acceptance? You know when the last time I met a kid like that? Never, not once ever. Not one kid I've ever met that struggles was spoiled with acceptance and love. I've never once met it. Spoiled means that I try to buy you out from me. I try to pay you off from spending time with me. I try to give you things instead of me. So they end up becoming these brats because all they understand is the love of, of, of things, not me. If all you're doing is giving your kids you, you're giving them everything. We have to stop trying to solve people's problems. 
We have to start being there for them. That was really the topic for tonight. Be there for people. Be there. Really be there. Really be there. What does that mean, really be there? What does that mean? Show up to that simcha that you don't want to go to. Clean up after that shalom zachar. <laughs> Do something. Be there. Show up. You see your friends struggling financially? You have any idea how much more valuable a listening ear is to that type of person? You have any idea what answering the phone when that person calls means to them? You have any idea? You have no idea. It means everything. Knowing that you have a support system is everything. It's a topic I touched on before, which is that the reason why my life is so much better than any teenager I know is because I get to come home and look my support system in the eye. They look at me back and I get to feel so proud. That kid doesn't feel that way. He has more fun than I do. That's true. That is true. He has more freedom than I have. That's true. That's true. He gets to sleep when he wants. He gets to wake up when he wants. It's all true. He gets more hours of sleep. All true. All true. He doesn't have to pay rent and he doesn't have to pay the bills. It's all true. But at the end of the day, he's got nothing on me. I come home. And even if my wife is not in the mood, I still get to look at her and say, okay, now I remember why. Even if my daughter is not in the mood of my stupid jokes about her, how her and all of her friends are in a glitter club with me and how I'm the princess and she's not, and all my stupidity that I give to her, she says, Papa, stop making jokes at me. And all these things, it's, I get my support. You have any idea what that's worth to give to another person? To choose people and say, I'm here for you. You have any idea what that's worth? Stop being hung up on the specifics of what people are going through and just focus on the fact that they're going through something. And that's the key. I was taking a course many years, uh, many years, a few years ago in hypnosis. And one of the main things I learned over there, this guy, Gedalia Rosen, Rabbi Gedalia Rosen, very, very, very big, uh, very big topic, very special yet. He said to me, every client he has that walks in, he says to them, what would you like to work through today? It's such a great idea. He doesn't ask them what's wrong. He doesn't ask them, how are you? What are we going to work through today? It means so much. It means that there's an end to this. We're going to work through it. We're going to. Just a matter of what. Choose anything. We could work through it. Choose anything. Work through it, which means there's going to be work involved over here. We're going to get through it. Look at your friends and realize they are on a journey. Their problem isn't going to be solved tomorrow. Their problem isn't a problem. It's a journey. Sit with them in their journey. Experience it. 
Look at any person you know that has ever become great. Their answer for how they became great is that 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 garbage time that they just when you have that closest friend of yours, how did you become so close? You became so close because you went through hell together. The fire of hell forges people together so much closer than the beauty of any other time. You went on a Pesach program and everyone was la di da 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 the whole time, eating buffet and everyone was great. And yeah, you're like, we're staying in touch. You and me, we're gonna stay in touch. Call me. You don't hear about them till the next year, Pesach. You go through a hard time with someone, you're fused, you're bonded for life. You will never come apart because it's reality. It's the journey. Start judging people on their journeys. Start valuing people based on their journey. Stop asking people to be different. Stop asking our kids, our spouses, our neighbors to be different than who they are and start accepting them for their journey, for what they are going through. Live as part of their journey. Have lines in their movie. Don't just be an extra. Be a leading role. Be there. Be a part of it and value it. If we can accept people because of their journeys, there's nothing in the world that we can't learn to love. I'm done. Oh, powerful, powerful stuff. Okay, let's go to closing. First, I'm gonna thank a big thank you to Yossi Ben Shushan from the Ben Shushan uh, Magic Four, Magic Five, whatever they're from, for coming uh -huh. on tonight. Um, gave us tremendous chizik. Um I, I, I feel like we there was so much more that we had to cover, especially with this, this topic of being there for others. We just touched it, but you just globalized it. It was it was powerful stuff. And uh you come back every week. Tonight's show. <laughs> tonight's show. Sponsors uh, donated. Let's Misrael. Should have a great Shulchan And everybody that all the powers over a thousand people total here tonight. Much thousands of people watch this, and you'll, you'll make a one minute viral clip and send it out to everybody. And you start screaming, you know, come on, you know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have tremendous young people. Again, one of the sponsors tonight is Grant Max, a spe specialized boutique company that's focusing on helping people get their PPP uh, business loan. I've been Shushan since you're a multimillionaire. You need this. Um, <laughs> he's just laughing. Okay. The company, instead of, uh, instead of just like forwarding you to a bank, uh, specializes and goes through your documents and, you know, they're connected with all the big lenders. So please reach out to them. The email address is info at grantmax.net or call them or text them at 609-300-3928. Tonight's share is also being learned by my sister-in-law's father, whose name is Yeshua Shalom Ben W. Miyahu, who is Nifter Still Betachshana. May the have a big aliyah for tonight from all the people in Mechazik. Again, let's share the photo. We have a lot of things coming up this week. Sure. This week uh, we have a double a double header. We have um, we have this Sunday. You usually only do Sunday night, but this Wednesday we're having a share. It's the first special edition we have, which we actually work on a few special edition events. Um, it's going to be Shubas has a new initiative. Well, we'll talk about it on the event, and uh, it's not written here, but Mitchember Ruben Feinstein will be joining to open up a different psicha, basically the Gedolim you know, Hadar, and Charlie Arar will be there. We'll be talking about unlocking more greatness in ourselves and others, and. Uh, Shushan, you're invited also to come if you can get on early. I'll be there. 
you'll be there. Next Sunday, we have powerful on with one of the top psychiatrists in Israel, Dr. Jacob Friedman. Uh, who's going to be live from Israel. He actually has to end by Chatzos because uh, by 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 Nate's because he downs every day. Nate. So all the extra time we did tonight, we're going to give you back. So anybody who's going to sleep late this Sunday night, next Sunday night, you get to go to sleep early. So we're <laughs> asking for Mechila beforehand. Should end by eleven twenty because of the timing. But uh, it's going to be a real mental health session. I mean, he deals with he deals with uh, you know tremendous tremendous stuff. Every. And he writes, you know, he, yeah, he deals with everything, literally. And uh, he also writes articles in Mishpacha magazine, so he's certified by Mishpacha.com. And uh, please, you know, again, get the word around. It's an amazing program. I'm, I'm not going to have to go to sleep tonight, so, you know. Thank you. And uh, everything is here recorded. It's going to be available on tomorrow on www.menachemberthel.com. If anybody has any questions, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. A lot of people are texting, Reverend Shushan, if anybody wants to ask you a question, is there, do you want to give out your personal cell phone number? Your social yeah, media. Yeah, oh, no, for sure. Yeah, no, you can email me. Okay, you want to, what's that email address? Huh? They email Menachem. <laughs> yeah, there's an email address. You, if you Google it, you can find it. No reply. If you're that spam. dedicated. <laughs> no reply at spam.com. So if anybody has any question, please email Coach Menachem, and uh, they'll forward it to him in the chair. Uh, time. He'll uh, respond. Like, yeah. And to share it again, it's recorded for people that don't uh, listen to it on online or on the, uh, we have it on Apple Spotify and uh, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also call them. We have a phone number. It'll be up tomorrow, 848-777-GROW, G-R-O-W. So please uh, listen to it. And now we're going to go to closing. Uh, again, I want to thank all our sponsors, Lakewood Scoop, Robbie and Yanif from Kazakh. I think Robbie's on here tonight. He, Robbie's a big fan of you. Special thank you to Chayla. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, Robbie! Oh, Robbie. Robbie's a very big tzaddik. Yeah, we love Robbie. Again, go to chazak.org to see the revolution. Special thank you to Chayla Kaufman, the Shul Shalman from JCN, Jewish Counter Network for always uh, promoting us on the Jewish platforms. And closing, Coach Menachem. Thank you very much. Um, we have touched a lot of interesting topics. I mean, on the journey of everybody's journey, um, interesting stops. But the, the main thing I just want to add is what you finished off saying that just to be there while people are going through whatever they're going through. And obviously the reason why we don't is because it's not easy. And most people run away from their own problems because to sit in their emotional pain is not something anybody wants to do. Now to go to your friend and be there with theirs can be very, very hard and obviously needs to uh, need some training with yourself with others but that's really what it is not always are we looking for to help other people and yes you could take a bit of him you could have him but we're not here to fix like we heard just be there but i can't i need to fix it sorry just be there i want to thank you I wanna... just to add one one point to that that's that's important when you're saying a capital to Hillam, what to have in mind over there? To fix them or, or, or to appreciate it with them, to be there with them, for them to appreciate what they're going through. That capital to Hillam can mean so much. Not that Hashem take, should take it away from them. So, Ooh, so that's they, a heavy one. So, so they say the Chida says no, not to take it away from them because Hashem knows best, but for them to really appreciate and understand what they're going through. Because Kalman David Rahman Latav. Right. And it's not easy for us to see it. I still want to thank you, Rabbi uh, Ben Shushan, for all the concepts tonight and for all the listeners out there. 
thank you very much for being here tonight. And uh, I got tremendous chizik, and Hashem should help us all in Mitz Hashem. We should appreciate, understand, and be able to go through, live our journey with Simcha. Shushan, do you have a closing or we're... Do you want a closing? You know how long that takes for me? I don't mind. Everybody, everybody. We're all night. We're out I, have another, I got another share after this one. I just want to throw it out there. I got no problem. I'm still going. I'll do a quick closing. I'm going to do a very quick closing. Shushan Ben. Did I get it right? Shushan Ben. Shushan Purim. Shushan Purim. Please take it away. It's all yours. I'm going to do a quick closing. There's Ben Men a quick closing. At the end of the day, all things said and done, the Rabbanu Shalom loves, appreciates, and created all of us to be us on purpose. You're not the forgotten sheep. You're not the one that he created by accident. He created you on purpose the same way he created your neighbor on purpose. You're amazing. You truly are incredible. I know you're thinking about that one thing or those two things. And you're saying, no, I'm not because that, no, no, no. He put those in your life. You're amazing. Now start acting like it. Stop being sidetracked by the fact that you don't think you're amazing. You'll believe in Hashem with everything, except for that one point that you're incredible. What you can do is unreal. Go out there and do it. Go out there and make a difference. You don't need training. You don't need, you don't need anything just to listen to a person. What training do you need to keep your mouth closed and nod? That's all you need to do. What training do you need to really feel another person's pain? You don't need to fix them. You don't need to change them. You don't need to give them their answers. All you need to do is hold their hand and experience it with them. The greatness, the beauty of sharing another person's journey with them is what life is all about. Go out there and get as many journeys as you can under your belt. Thank you, Rabbi Shushan. See everybody, have a good night. Thank see you. Next, time, same, next week, same time, same place. Dr. Jacob Friedman, see you. Thank you. Good night.